Alrighty. Well, my name is Rob Christian. I'm the, uh, the youth director here at Fellowship of Grace, and um, I've had the opportunity to share this morning. I'm very thankful to our pastors, Michael and Derek and Kendall, for allowing me to share the word this morning. I'm pretty excited about it as we continue our series, The Fundamental of Faith, The Fundamentals of Faith. Um, week one, we looked at salvation and the salvation experience, what that means for us. Last week, we talked about the Trinity and um, just seeing who God really is and his three persons, Father, Son, and, and Holy Spirit. And as we continue this week, we're going to be looking at the Word of God. I'm not clicking. That's all right. We're looking at the Word of God. Um, and when you look at the Word of God, it, it means several different things. And we're going to kind of break that down and see what that looks like. But specifically, when we talk about the Word of God, primarily we mean the Bible. We're talking about the Bible, and we're jumping all over. All right, that's okay. So before we begin, before we jump in, if you would bow with me, let's pray, and then we'll get started. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for this time we have to come together as your family. God, I thank you that we get to worship you. Lord, I thank you for this worship team as they come and they lead us every Sunday, God, and these, these powerful words that we sing. God, thank you that we can know you, that we can have a relationship with, with you. God, you are truly amazing. And Lord, we love you. And we thank you for how great you are, for all you've done for us. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be powerful. God, we give you this time and pray that you would do a mighty work. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. All right, so like I said, we're talking about the Word of God, and as we look through the Word of God this morning, what you're going to see several times is we're going to talk about salvation. We're going to see the Trinity because the Bible really tells us who God is and what that really means. So as we jump right in, the Word of God really has four different meanings, and that's not in your bulletin, but just something as you study, you hear it referenced, you're going to see the Word of God described throughout the Bible, throughout different things. The first that we are going to look at today is as a person the Word of God, as in Jesus Christ. The second thing would be a speech by God, the words of God, God audibly talking. This happens throughout the Scripture several times. God could still do it today, but we don't often see that. Uh, the third thing that we, that we see we're not going to dwell too much on today is speech through human lips. Prophets. Prophets speaking the very words of God. God's scripture, the things we see here. And fourthly, the final thing we're going to look at this morning is in written form, the Bible. We call the Bible the word of God, God's holy word. And so we're going to look at those things. Uh, let's jump right in. The first thing I want us to see here and understand from God's word is that God's word is powerful. God's word is powerful. It has the power to change. It can do great things. Over 40 different men contributed to the writing of what we have in our, as our Bible today. Forty different men, over 1,600 years, the Bible was compiled. You say, 40 different authors. Well, the Bible has one author. The Bible has one authority, and that is God. That God used these 40 men through the, his Holy Spirit to speak, to communicate God's message to us. The Bible is written originally in three different languages. You'll find Hebrew in the Old Testament, throughout the Old Testament, and then you find Aramaic, language that Jesus spoke and was written, and then finally Koine Greek, which means common Greek, the people's language, people talking and speaking that. The interesting thing about the Bible, and one of the things I think is, is great for proof in the Bible or the truth of the Bible, 
is that when you read the Bible, it doesn't read like a Hollywood script. It doesn't read like a story written by men. Because in the Bible, we see that men are fallen. Men are sinful. What men deserve isn't heaven. The heroes that we see of the Bible were murderers, were adulterers. They were sinners, just like us. You see, if men had written this book, it would talk about how great men are and how, in the end, it's all going to be okay. But because God wrote it, we see that we're sinners and that we need salvation. God is powerful. God's word is powerful. Let's jump in. The first thing we're going to see here is God's word powerful in creation. Read with me Genesis 1, verse 3. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. The first thing we see, God's word is powerful. God spoke everything into existence. God is creator. God spoke and everything was. It's not like creating, like you take the ingredients to make a cake or the ingredients you put together a car. God created everything from nothing, from his spoken word. God's word is powerful. Last week we saw a little bit about Jesus and we looked at Jesus being God. And let's jump in here, and we're going to see that God's word through Jesus is powerful. In Matthew chapter 8, to set this up, Jesus had been doing ministries with his disciples. He'd been going around healing people, preaching the truth, doing all kinds of miraculous works. And Jesus needs a little break. He doesn't get on his tour bus, but he gets on his tour boat going to the next place. And look what happens in Matthew chapter 8. It says, and when he, Jesus, got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea. This would be the Sea of Galilee where they were traveling. So that the boat was being swamped by the waves. Water coming over the sides of the boat. But Jesus was asleep. And Matthew continues to write, And they went and woke him, they woke Jesus, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. Okay, so these are Jesus' disciples that he's traveling with. His twelve closest companions, the guys that were with him always, the guys that had seen him do the miracles, the guys that had seen Jesus do all these great things, well, they think they're going to die in the storm. Jesus is trying to sleep. He needs his rest. He's been working hard. So they say, Jesus, save us, Lord. We're perishing. We're going to die here. Jesus wakes up and he says, oh, why are you afraid, oh, you of little faith? Then he, Jesus, rose and rebuked the winds and sea. And there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? Jesus spoke, and the winds and the sea obeyed him. God's word is powerful. God spoke everything into existence. Jesus spoke, and the storms were calmed. God's word, the word of God, is powerful to us. So, so we continue, I just want to make sure we see that. But in fact, more so than Jesus speaking as God, Jesus, in fact, is called the Word of God. John 1, my favorite chapter in the, the entire Bible. If you're looking for something to read, you've not been reading the Word of God at all, a great place to start is the book of John. And John 1 is great because it just it outlines everything so clearly. We understand God. We see God. We see his gospel. We see Jesus doing great things. We see Jesus dying and being raised again. It's a, good, it's a good book, but this chapter is awesome. There's powerful stuff here. So let me set this up for you. John is writing, and he's going to explain to us who God is specifically in Jesus. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him not anything made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Okay, so we're laying something out here. We want to go back, and I want to see this. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Everybody got it? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The word was, the word was God. All things were created through the Word, the spoken Word. We see that, and here we see the Word. Well, let's go on a little bit further in this first chapter. John keeps going, and he writes this. And the Word... The same word who was God, the same word who is God, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So, the word, the word was God, the word is God. The word revealed as the Son, the word became flesh. This is good stuff. This is talking about Jesus. We are seeing Jesus here. We're seeing a picture of Jesus, but we're not done yet. The word came full of grace and truth. Remember that phrase, full of grace and truth. A little bit later in the chapter, John writes, From his fullness, we have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth. God's word, the word of God is Jesus. He is called that. Jesus' name. The word, he became flesh made his dwelling among us, and brought salvation. God's word is powerful. And we have to understand that today. And that's what I want to see, is that God's word was powerful, not just in the beginning, but God's word, the word of God, continues to be powerful today. It wasn't just powerful in the beginning. It continues to be powerful today. You know, as I was searching this out and studying this week, the word of God, I couldn't help... But keep coming across these funny, you've seen them on the internet, the secret Bible codes, the secret things that the Bible reveals, but not to everybody. You have to count, you know, 53 letters in, and then four lines down, and then six letters over, and then you get a secret code out of the Bible. That doesn't seem like that's how God works. God lays it all out for us. God makes it very clear. We don't have to go and search it out. It's in the scripture. There's no secret hidden meaning. Just read the Bible for what it's worth and see how powerful it is. God's word is powerful from the very beginning through Jesus' time and continues to be powerful today. Let's keep going. God's word is relevant. And God's word is is a constant and an ever-changing world. The world around us keeps changing. Things are getting Seem like they're getting worse at times, seem like they're getting better at times, but everything is changing. Through our lives, we go through change. Eileen and I, we're getting ready to go through some big change. And we're just, for me, I have those moments every once in a while, I'm just realizing that. And, you know, experienced it this week as, you know, we, had, we were just sitting up in the baby's room and kind of looking at things and thinking, wow, this is just kind of like you just sit back and, I mean, hope for the best, you know, <laughs> just see what happens. So. But I know that in the end it's going to be okay because we're going to be faithful. We're going to love our child the way that God has showed us how to do that. But, but in the end, yeah, it's going to be a lot of change. So the world changes, but God's word does not. God's word is constant. 
God's word is a constant in a life of change, and we need that. And God's communication is constant. I think back to when I got my first cell phone. Some of you remember this, the, the gold Nokia. I think you know, about half of everybody had this little cell phone, and the, the coolest game that this thing had was Snake, right? Some of you know that, playing Snake on your phones, and super cool. And you couldn't wait to call somebody. Texting wasn't really popular yet. But now we're to the point with cell phones where we can almost do our taxes on our phones. We can, you know, we can call people. We can see videos across the world. We can chat with people face-to-face that are all over the world through our cell phones. But when the phone rings and it's a number we don't recognize, we don't even answer it. Uh, oh, I don't know who that is. They can leave a message, right? Or it's weird when a friend calls you and it's like, why didn't you text me? You know, it's kind of awkward. Even our communication changes, but God's word does not. God's communication with us is constant. God's message to us is constant. Look at what the prophet, speaking God's word, says. Isaiah writes this. He says, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. God's word is a constant in an ever-changing world. Men have tried to destroy the Bible. Men have tried to get rid of every copy of the Bible. They've always failed. The Bible, of course, is, going to, is still today the most printed word, the most printed book in history. Over and over. I was just reading about this. It's pretty amazing. The latest number I could find on the internet is that the Bible has been translated in over 2,000 languages. 2,018 languages. I didn't know that there were that many languages. I have a lot to learn. But the Bible has been translated in over 2,000 different languages. God's word is not going to go away. God's word is forever. And the next thing we see here that I really want us to see is that God's word guides its followers. It guides us through darkness. It still serves us today. And we still need it today. He guides us. God in the scripture, the psalmist, he writes this. It's kind of interesting. He says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. A little bit later, he writes this. The unfolding of your words give light. It imparts understanding to the simple. I, uh, I was thinking about this, the idea of God's word being light to our dark path. There's a church I went to every so often as a kid, but I went to a VBS. And children's workers and youth workers, sometimes they don't have the best ideas. But they wanted to play this game during VBS where, see if I can explain it right, basically they wanted everybody to find their partner, to match up. And what they did was blindfold the kids. So a bunch of blindfolded kids walking around trying to find each other. Not a great idea. So I remember a friend of mine that went, he was DJ. And I was record, and we had to yell across the room, you know, trying to find each other while we were blindfolded. Well, this room for the kids, it was like a utility closet or something. There's funny corners and awkward angles. And so, you know, I'm looking around, and I'm screaming, DJ, DJ. And there's a corner of a wall in my darkness as I'm walking. DJ, right into the corner. Chip my tooth. I'm seven years old, little chip tooth. And I could taste wall for the rest of the day. And for a few days after, till I get... It tastes like drywall. It was not good. But in my darkness, I stumbled, I bumbled, I, I hit the wall, tasted it, and it was, it was bad. We needed the light. We need the light to be our guide. 
And God's word provides us the light so that we can see, so that we can walk through the world of darkness. We need this light. God's word is the light to us. Third thing I want us to see is that God's word is perfect and complete. God's word, the word of God, is perfect and complete. There's a lot of religions today that put a lot of books as equal with God's word. And those religions are false. If anybody puts anything on the same level of God's word as the final truth, the final authority, it's wrong. We're going to look and see why. In Psalm, the author writes this. He says, the words of the Lord's are are pure words. They are perfect, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. Throughout the Bible, we see the word seven. And again, I, I don't jump into all the secret codes and everything, but seven is a number of perfection. Six days God worked, and on the seventh he rested. Seven is a number of divine completeness, perfection. Everything is taken care of. In Revelation, we see the seven seals. This is a will. A will is tied and sealed seven times over. And so as those seals are broken, it's God's will being revealed. So seven, you see it throughout the Bible, but seven, as we see it, just know that it's perfection. And so when God's word is pure like silver, refined seven times over, it's perfect. God's word is perfect. And we see here elsewhere, he, he keeps going, he says, You, O Lord, will keep them. You will guard us from this generation forever. On every side the wicked prowl, as vileness is exalted among the children of man. Again, we need that light. God's word is perfect and God's word is complete. This was the second part of that. And this is what I'm talking about with these other religions that claim to have a special revelation after the book of Revelation from God that's special and unique. John writes at the end of his letter, at the end of his experience, and seeing heaven and seeing what's to come, from the mouth of God, he writes this, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. It's a very stern warning. And he keeps going. And he says, if anyone takes away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God will take away from him his share of the tree of life and the holy city which is described in this book. So not only adding to God's word, but taking away from God's word. Make sure you see that. If we're not preaching the whole truth, if we're not teaching the whole truth, if we're saying, I like, I like the book of John, I don't so much like the book of Romans, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw that one out. We're sinning. We are sinning when we don't teach and preach the entire truth of God. That's why I'm thankful for Fellowship of Grace, because I know here we are doing that. I know that we're doing that. We see it. I see it in the, the children's ministry that we have the opportunity to be a part of. We see God's working there. We see the entire scripture being taught. Do not add to it. Do not take it away. There will be consequences. And this is a very stern warning. John says, I warn you. There is a warning not to do this, to be obedient to the scriptures, to be obedient to all the scriptures. 
not just part of it. The correction we see is needed. In Proverbs, Solomon writes this. He says, Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he will rebuke you, and you will be found a liar. God's word is true, and God's word is perfect. God's word doesn't need our help to make it a little bit easier, to make it a little bit nicer. God's word needs to be taught, needs to be preached. We need to hear it, we need to see it, we need to understand it. With the, with the young ones that, that we, we were working with on Sunday mornings, we're going through what's called the Gospel Project. And what it is, is as we look at the Scripture, it's really neat. We've gone through Jesus' life and seen that, but now we've jumped back to the Old Testament, and every Scripture that we look at, every lesson we have at the end, it says, here's what this means about Jesus. So we're teaching God's Word, and we're seeing that it all comes back to Jesus. We're teaching the whole truth, the whole point of it, and it all comes back to Jesus. Number four, as it all comes back to Jesus, is this. God's word provides us with the knowledge to know God and experience salvation. It's not redundant. God's word provides us with the knowledge to know God and to experience salvation. God's word teaches us everything we know about God. It's outlined. We saw that last week in looking at the Trinity. God's word gives us everything we need to know to know God. But not just that. It gives us the knowledge we need to experience his saving grace. The Bible teaches us all of these things. And so, as we look at God's word and we read it, it's important to understand that we're seeing God. We're seeing God's heart revealed to us. God has revealed everything that we need to know to experience him, to experience salvation, to experience eternity with him. God has created us to know him. And here is how we can do that, by looking at his word, by seeing that. Let's read what Paul writes in the book of Romans. Just a little bit of setup here. The church in Rome was, was uh, probably one of the bigger churches, but it was split. There's a lot of division in the church. You have basically two groups of people. You have the Jewish Christians and the Greek Christians. And there was a lot of tension going on there. And so Paul spends this letter writing to the church in Rome, and he spends the first half of it talking to these Jewish Christians and trying to tell them, look, you're zealous for God, but you need to know the scriptures and understand the heart change. And he talks to the Greeks, and he's talking to the, to the Greeks, to the Romans. He's talking to them about understanding the scriptures and, and just the opposite. They know the heart change. They know what God has done, but they need to under, understand the scripture. But look what he says in Romans chapter 10. Paul writes this, and he says, But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to the church, okay? They know the word. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The Bible gives us the knowledge to know God and experience salvation. This then is how you can be saved. But Paul keeps going. And he says this, For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Verse 11, really important here. For the scripture says, Everyone 
who believes in him will not be put to shame. Everyone who believes in God, who understands who God is, who believes in him as their savior, will not be put to shame. But Paul doesn't leave it there. Paul doesn't just give the gospel. He gets on to the church. He gets on to the church people and he says this, How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they going to believe in him who, have, who they have not heard? And how are they going to hear without someone preaching? Uh-oh. Who's going to preach? Who's going to proclaim the word? And how are they going to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes through hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Church, we have to communicate the message of the Bible. We have to communicate the message of hope. We see the scripture, we know it. We have to communicate the words of God. God's church must communicate God's word. Church, we have to proclaim it. We have to be the ones sharing God's truth with the world. And that comes from God's word. You see that when you're studying the Bible, when you're reading the Bible, especially with a group, we have a tendency to start, start asking questions like, well, what do you think? What do you think about this? How do you feel about this? All we have to do is proclaim the truth and let God's Holy Spirit do the work. But we have to know the Scripture. We have to read it. We have to study it to be able to share it. Okay? God's church must proclaim God's Word. Peter writes to the church, as far as communicating God's word, he writes this. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, talking to the church, talking to God's people, a holy nation, a people for his, God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness in his marvelous light. Church, there's a reason why we are here this morning. There's a reason why we are here on this earth, and it is to proclaim God's excellencies. To proclaim how great God is to this lost world. Church, that's why we're here. This is what we're to be all about. And we have to know the word of God to be able to share his word. To be able to share so that people can know God. So that people can experience salvation. The fifth thing, the fifth and final thing I want us to see with God's word is that God's word is the final authority. God's word is the final authority. It moves his followers, to action. Church, we can believe the Bible. We can trust the Bible. It provides everything we need to know about God. Now hear me there. It doesn't tell us everything about God. There are some things that are still going to be revealed. But it tells us everything we need to know about God, to know him and to experience salvation. God's word is our final authority. Church, if we see something, if you see something, if you hear something coming under the church umbrella that doesn't line up with the Bible, then it's our duty, it's our responsibility to speak up, to hold each other accountable, to love on each other, but to speak the truth. And if we don't know God's word, if we're not studying God's word, we're all going to be walking in that darkness. God's word is our final authority. It moves us to action. God's will is contained in his word. 
Listen to what John writes to the church. Again, he's talking to the church. He's talking to you and me, to believers spread throughout the world. John writes this. And by this we, have know that we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Church, these are very strong words. But if we don't keep his commandments, if we don't know the word of God, and we're not living that out, we're liars. John goes on to write, but whoever keeps his word in him, the, whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. We know God by obeying his scriptures. We show love for God by obeying what he has commanded. This is the final point that I want to make and share with you this morning, is that God's will for you is containing God's word for you. Understand this. God's will for you is containing God's word for you. There's no doubt in my mind that God has called people all over the world to be missionaries, and maybe very specifically, you know. We have good friends of ours that are going to go to Romania, take their family, their young daughter, and they're going to move to Romania. They feel that God has called them to that. God's Holy Spirit has worked in them. But we know God's will for us by God's word. Listen to what Paul writes again to the church in Rome. Romans 12, 2, it says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. We can know God's will by reading God's word. We know what God wants from us. Through study. We see that he wants us, just this morning, we see that God wants us to proclaim his truth, proclaim his excellencies to this lost world. Church, this world is dying without Christ. And if we're not proclaiming that truth, then we're not being obedient. And how do we know we're in God? By being obedient to him, to his commands, which are found in God's word. When you study the Bible... I want you to question how you study the Bible, how you read the Bible. Oftentimes, the only times we end up reading the Bible is when we're sad, when we're hurt, when we're going through troubled times, and we just want affirmation. I read the Bible so that God will affirm me, because I know that they're wrong, and I'm going to show them why. I better dig into the scriptures so I can prove them wrong. Church, we're reading the Bible with the wrong mindset. Paul says, don't be conformed to this world but be transformed. Transformation in your life will come through reading God's word and applying it to yourself. Community group leaders, if you're in a community group, I'm excited for you. I hope those are going well for you. If you're not in a community group, there's still time to sign up. They're really good. You're doing life together. You're sharing. You're going through the word. But community group leaders, write this verse down. I want you to talk about it this week. If you're not in a community group, write this verse down also and read it. James 1, 22 through 25. Community group leaders, write that down. James 1, 22 through 25. If you're not in a community group, read it this week. Talking about God's word. God's word is powerful to change us. God's word is powerful to do a mighty work. But church, we have to be obedient. We have to read God's word. We have to know what it says for it to affect us, for it to change us.
God's word is powerful. It wasn't just powerful in creation. It wasn't just powerful in Jesus. It's powerful today through God's Holy Spirit. God can do a great work, but we have to be in his word, studying and conforming to it. So we finish up here. I'm going to pray for us, and if you would, bow your heads. And we're going to go to God. And if you've been reading your Bible, if you know that you've been reading your Bible with the wrong attitude, seeking out answers for, for yourself, for comfort, to make sure everything is going to be okay, if you're just reading your Bible on a very shallow level, confess that to God. Ask God to do a work in you, that your life would be transformed by God's word. If you're not reading your Bible, and you can be honest with yourself this morning, church, we need to start. Pray that God would get a hold of you this week. Let's pray. God, I thank you this morning for your word. Lord, I thank you that we have this. Lord, I thank you that the world, that Satan has not been able to take it away. God, I thank you for how much you love us. God, for seeing a picture of your redemption, God, of your grace and your truth that we have. God, grace that we don't deserve. But coming through Jesus Christ, Lord, I thank you for that. God, I pray for our church. Lord, I pray for Fellowship of Grace that we would be a church dedicated to knowing your word, to searching the scriptures, God, to proclaiming the truth in this dark world. God, let us be a church dedicated to keeping your commands. God, let us be a church focused on you. Lord, I pray for us as we go this week that you would be powerful. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict us. God, get a hold of us and bring us back to your word, your unchanging, unfailing word. And God, just be powerful. And Lord, we love you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.